right, well, we're finishing up our acoustic Christmas, and I hope you took the acoustic challenge, the acoustic Christmas challenge. I know some of you did. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got to be honest. I kind of like, uh, like it that uh, it's just kind of the, uh, the people I really know well, you know. It's, it's kind of nice because uh, I feel like I, what, why are you looking at me? Lee's looking at me like, why are you saying this? Oh, you're laughing. Okay. <laughs> because uh, because um, I feel like the message today um, is, hopefully, you probably heard a little bit about it, but um, maybe I can kind of expound on what you've heard a little bit. Um, but uh, but uh, it also helps me. I can just be myself a lot better, you know, a lot more. So I feel like I'm at home, um, except I'm not watching Cuba with the kids. Yeah, so... Today, uh, we're talking about uh, Jesus, obviously, and um, I, before we do, um, I want to kind of set up the historical background for Jesus coming into the world. Um, and uh, in Galatians 4, chapter, uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, it says this, But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Now, this is important because at the very beginning it says, but when the time had fully come. In, in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 9, it says this, And He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Now, this is important because there was a time that God was waiting on. It was, it was, it was as if he was, he was saying... Okay, it's it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and 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 then he was sending Jesus into the world. Um, now this is this is really cool because um, the time that Jesus came into the world was the perfect time. It really was. It was the perfect time because there was a spiritual fulfillment that had reached its climax. The the prophets they had you know you you walk through the Old Testament and you you read all the prophets starting with. Uh, Moses, you, you, you look at Elijah and Jeremiah and, and all the little minor prophets that, that you know, you, you think you could name, but you know you can't, you know, and Micah, and that's all you know, and, you know, that kind of thing, that's all I know. And, 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 and you got all these guys, and what was their purpose? Their purpose was one thing, it was to tell about God. It was to tell about what God was saying, it was to tell about what he was going to do or how he loved them, but it was also to tell and hint and foreshadow about Jesus, about his coming. And every prophet, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, foreshadows the coming of Christ. And so they prepared the people in God's grace. Uh, they prepared the people repeatedly with, uh, about God's grace, his mercy, his love, his judgment. Okay? You know, you know, we all know the, the whole prophet thing then there was john okay freaky john right john the baptist he he uh it's believed that his parents died early so he like kind of just wandered out in the wilderness and just lived out there and that's why he was eating locusts and bugs and was wearing animal skins and 
and he was he was Jesus's, you know, cousin. John actually started talking to people. I mean, he just came out of the woodwork, <laughs> literally, you know, and he's like, hey, yo, start living for God. You need to turn from your ways. You need to start quit running from him. And um, and so he was preparing for Jesus in that way. And then there was the third fulfillment, the spiritual fulfillment, which was which was uh, the people themselves. They were tired of being oppressed. They were tired of being beaten down. They were tired of being knocked around. You know what I'm saying? They were just tired of the Roman government taking them out one by one. They were tired of the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees telling them that what they were doing was not the way of God when they knew deep in their heart that it was. Y'all ever feel that way? You know, somebody tells you, that's not the right way to go. That's not what's going on. And you're like, don't tell me, dude. You know, jack stuff. You know, you just get that anger in your heart, and you're like, oh, God, I got it. All right, I apologize. This is what was going on with the people. They were tired of just being oppressed by history, and, and they were ready for a Savior. Let me ask you something. Do you know people in your life, friends, family, that you see them, they're, just, they're, they're beat down, they're oppressed, They're ready for something to rescue them. His name's Jesus, and you can introduce him to them if you wish. In fact, God asks us to. There was also this logical fulfillment, okay? Um, This, this, or logistical fulfillment, rather. This logistical fulfillment. The Roman Empire had come about, and it was humongous. It was large, okay? And before then... No one had ever taken over the known world. It was, it was spotty, you know, somebody tried, but it didn't get to it. But, but Rome, they took over, and they reigned with power. Well, because of this, they built roads, and these roads went everywhere. Because of this, they built arenas and amphitheaters and all these crazy monuments that, that were for sporting events and all kinds of stuff. So when you went to a festival or a Passover or something like that, not only could you get there easily, but you could have fun when you got there. You know, it's kind of like when you go to, uh, you, if you live in a small town, when you go to the big town, you know they've got a big movie theater and it's a bigger screen than what you've got, and so you're pretty excited about that. You're pumped. You know, am I the only one from a small town? That's all right. All right, so, so <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I mean, there's, there's perks and benefits, and so not only could you get there easily, but you could enjoy it. Now, what this did is this had a huge impact because people could easily walk to the next town and share the gospel with others. Jesus could tell about his father, the disciples, the apostles. They could go and tell others about Jesus. And then there was also the major language of the day. When Rome took over, they really encouraged people to learn Greek, right? Uh, not like you're encouraged in seminary, but like, you know, listen, dude, you need to learn our, our, our language. So a lot of people, if not most people, knew Greek. It was the business language, kind of like English is today. And so they knew Greek, and they'd also have a native tongue. But language was, the Greek language was flourishing, and they could share the gospel in one language across almost the entire known world. Okay, so this is the background, Okay. That's the background of what's going on when Jesus is born. Now, here's what you need to understand. This is your one main point. Write it down. Keep it in your heart. Keep it close to you. Our Father, 
is perfect in timing and in love through the birth of a Savior. Our Father is perfect in timing and love through the birth of a Savior. Now, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, Luke uh, chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, that's where we're going to start today. We're going to look at the birth of Jesus, we're going to look at the shepherds, we're going to look at the magi today, because this is what the Christmas story is all about. Now here's what I do want us to understand as you're turning there. Our culture is turning the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, slowly but surely into a mother goose story. You know what I'm saying? Slowly but surely it is, it is becoming a, a, a nice little fable. And we need to be, be very careful that we guard against that. Because history itself proves otherwise. History itself shows and says, whoa, 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 this happened. This happened. And so we're going we're gonna to look at a little bit of that history today and how God's perfect timing and perfect love through the birth of a Savior um, came about. So... Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was, Syria, was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. Now, here, here's the deal. Uh, we got a map here. Um, let me, let me kind of lay out the, the hierarchy of the three guys we're going to talk about today or we're going to mention. First was Caesar Augustus. He is basically the president of Rome. He is the emperor, okay? And so he controls all of that. He's based out of Rome right there in the middle. They even had a little uh, swath of land up there in uh, Britain, right? And uh, a big swath of land, actually. And so they controlled all of this. Now, this is a little after Jesus's time this is uh, about 90 AD but this uh this is pretty much except for maybe the middle part of Africa and uh and parts of Britain this is pretty much what they had taken over um by the time Jesus was working on his ministry okay now what what Quirinius what he was in control of he was under the emperor, the president, under Caesar Augustus, he was in control of the right side there of the Mediterranean Sea. Syria, Palestine, and parts of Arabia. That was his control. Think of him as the governor, you know? Bobby Jindal, if you will, all right? So he's, he's the governor. Now, we're going to look at King Herod here in a little bit. King Herod, go to that next map here, he is in control of kind of the middle part of Palestine, it was, uh, Samaria, Judea, uh, parts of uh, Idumea. I have a problem pronouncing these names. Um, and, and Jerusalem itself. In fact, he was based out of Jerusalem. Um, and so King Herod, we're going to look at him in a minute. He was crazy. And he was underneath uh, Quirinius. Uh, he's kind of like the mayor. He, he would be C-Ray, okay? He would be the mayor of Jerusalem, but he kind of has a, a bigger swath of land. What? What? You don't like the C-Ray? All right, so, um, so this is what was going on. Now, it says, verse 3, And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Now, he had to go there. We looked at, that, at the, the genealogy last week, 
And uh, I don't know if I bored you to death or not, but, uh, but we looked at that and how, how he went, came from the line of David. Now, this is where he's from. He's from Nazareth. And he has to make, uh, it's about an 85, 90-mile trip to Bethlehem. I don't know about y'all, but he's got a pregnant, engaged wife with him, okay? When, when Leave was pregnant with any child, it was difficult to go to the mall, okay? Much less throw her on a donkey and ride for who knows how long, 90 miles, all right? So you can imagine how long this took, probably about three days. Because it's just, I mean, it's just, I mean, they're going and going, and oh, I gotta stop. I'm not feeling good. I'm feeling nauseous. You know, who knows what's going on with Mary? Now, keep in mind, Mary is engaged to Joseph, and we we know this story. Mary's engaged to Joseph, and she is holding and carrying the Christ child. Now, verse five. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there. The time came for the baby to be born. And she wrapped him, in, or she, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. We have to understand that our, our Heavenly Father, in this moment in time, He is perfect in His timing. He is perfect in His love through this birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. In your life, God is perfect in His timing. He is perfect in His love. And you may think, what are you waiting on, God? What's going on with that? i got this thing in my life, and this is crazy, crazy, crazy. And God's saying, you just wait. My timing is perfect. Look at Jesus. It was perfect. Now, this was done in a manger, a barn. It's believed to be a cave, okay? Jesus was born in a cave. He should have been born in a, in a tower, in a castle, or something like that, but he was born in a cave because an innkeeper, you know, if he, would, he probably looks back on, on this and goes, oh, what was I thinking? If I would have known, you know? I mean, my goodness, I would have kicked somebody out and let them in, but that's fine. That's fine. Now, here's the thing. Think about this. If you were born in a barn... What are you born with? Well, you probably, it's a, it, this was an outside cave, is what they believe. And so you've got crickets, right? Uh, all right, so, so it's just nighttime. It may be cold, cool, all right? And then you've got, you got to fight off the bugs, right? All right, fighting off mosquitoes. you probably got some farm animals around you, maybe a goat. All right, you like that goat? Can we hit that goat again? No? Okay. What about some chickens? Chickens? Or roosters? Yeah? I mean, apparently they're in a, in a hen house as well. Um, and, and, and back in this day, that was... There's a lot of chickens in this cave. Back in this day, they had camels as well. So... The sound bite said camel. I don't know. Um, so, I mean, I mean, let me, I mean, I'm trying to open up your, your mind here to get a picture of what's really going on. There was maybe a mule or something like that laying around. We don't have a mule. That's in the sound. And, and, so, and so, 
this is, this is a barn for all pretense and purposes that Jesus is born in. Now, this barn, this cave, was, is, is believed to be known exactly where it's at. There is a, a church called the Church of the Nativity in Israel that is supposedly built over it. And here's the a, here's a, a picture of it. And then we've got a, a picture on, uh, of the inside here. It's real uh, pretty and ornate. Um, and, and, and then the, the actual place where Jesus is supposed to be born is either right there or you look down in the hole or something like that. And, and, um, and, and so this is believed to be where Jesus was born in the second century. Justin Martyr, he's the one that identified the cave. Um, and then in 326, Emperor Constantine constructed the first basilica over it. Now, who's going to argue with the emperor? You know, if it, the emperor says this is where it was, then this is where it was. So this is all tradition, okay? We don't know for sure one way or the other. This basilica was destroyed in 529, and then it was rebuilt by Justinian soon after, uh, soon after it was destroyed. So this is the birth of Christ. And humble, this, I mean, on a carpet, this would be better than a manger, a horse trough. And so we, we see Jesus being born and God placing him in the perfect time, in perfect love, but not necessarily the perfect place. Because the perfect timing and the perfect love is all that he needs. Verse 8, in there... And there were shepherds living out in the fields, uh, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, this is a bunch of sheep, right? A lot of sheep. They're, and they're rolling. They're running. All right, definitely. An angel, I'm getting some dirty looks. Okay, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, if an angel shows up to you, and all you, all you see is darkness, except for the stars. And keep, keep, keep in mind, in, in verse 8, where it says they were keeping watch over their flocks, they, what, what this means is that they weren't like actually keeping an eye on, they were doing that, but it was, they were keeping their specific watch. There were three watches in the night. And so uh, one shepherd may have the first watch, one shepherd may have the second watch, one shepherd may have the third watch. Kind of a miserable life, because you're always up at night at some point, you know? And, and so... They're keeping watch, and then this angel pops in. Verse 10, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, now think about this declaration. You're a shepherd. You don't hang out with Jews. You don't hang out with people, with religious people. You don't have really much of a clue about scripture you know your sheep and then this angel pops in and says guess what a savior's been born to you wouldn't you be thrilled too i mean the religious people don't associate with you because you're dirty but an angel who for all pretense and purposes looks like the guy just took a bath he's glowing he's shining his clothes are nice i mean this is awesome for me Okay, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts, 
company means a bunch, uh, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. Now this is actually some kind of a, a song. Uh, uh, I don't know what the tune was, but it was, a, it was a, this, this hymn, this song that they, they you know, it's like, oh, you know, glory to God in the highest, you know. I don't know how it peace on to men on whom are his treasure. Uh, and, and when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told, uh, told us about. They leave their livelihood behind them. This is how exciting this is. They've got their sheep, and they're taking care of them. And, and listen, in this day, in this time, there were bears, there were pumas, there were, there were jaguars, there were, there were lions, there were all kinds of animals that were just creeping up from behind the, the, the closest hill, just waiting for you to, to, take, to take off. And this is exactly what they did. They said, wow, this is incredible. Someone just told us that we have a Savior. Did, did the Jews know about this? It doesn't matter. Let's go check this out. And they take off and they leave. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds were convinced. They were done. You told them. They saw it. It was a miracle. It was incredible. It was amazing. I'm sold. Mary, she understands what's going on. But she wonders what the final result is. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. For these shepherds, our Heavenly Father's timing is perfect. For these shepherds who were part of the oppressed people, His love is perfect. Because shepherds are not shown love. Shepherds are shown grief. Shepherds are only talked to when others need wool. Shepherds are just held off at bay. But through the perfect timing and love of the birth of our Savior, the shepherds make it into Scripture. How cool is that, huh? We don't know their names, but once you get up in heaven, I'd like to meet one of these guys, you know? Just walk up to him, dude. What was that like? Oh, it was awesome! You should have been there. It was cool. You know, I mean, you just see him going crazy. This was the most incredible time of my life. I, I wish it would happen again before I died. And it was amazing. You know, I, I don't know why they have a New York accent, but they do. Um, little Bronx. They're from the Bronx. Um, all right, so now let's look at the Magi. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, remember we talked about King Herod, Magi from the east came to, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now let me talk, tell you about King Herod, okay? King Herod is a freak show of a king, all right? He is paranoid as all get out. 
I mean, anybody who, who even mentions, hey, I'd like to be president one day, or hey, I'd like to be emperor one day, I'd like to be king, he just goes ahead and kills them. In fact, <clears throat> he, he's very uh, cruel, but he's also very shrewd. Very shrewd politically, that is. Um, when, when there was a, uh, a war going on, I think it was uh, B.C., around uh, B.C. 4, <laughs> year 4 B.C., um, there was a war going on between Cleopatra, Antony, and uh, against, they were like boyfriend, girlfriend, from what I remember from the school books, Cleopatra and Antony, and then they were fighting Caesar Augustus. He had not become Caesar, yes. He, he was Octavian at the time, all right? Now, now, this is important because King Herod was with Cleopatra and Antony. But then when he saw that Octavian was about to, to whip him and finally defeat him, he switched sides. And, and because of that, Octavian actually said, you know what, you're a shrewd guy, you're smart, I'll go ahead and give you Jerusalem. And, and gave him the swath of land that he was in control of. He was very shrewd. He, um, he was very shrewd when it came to Jerusalem as well. Because he could care less about the Jews. Or Jewish culture. Or God himself. But. What he knew was that the Jews could revolt against him. So he always wanted them on his side. In fact, his sons tried to take over Jerusalem. And, and so he, he just killed them all. Killed all his, all his uh, family, just about. Caesar Augustus said of King Herod one time, he said, I would rather be a pig in King Herod's household than I would be his son. Because of the respect of pigs, he's not going to touch them because Jews didn't mess with pigs or swine. So he wouldn't kill them, he wouldn't touch them, he wouldn't do anything. But his own kids he would murder. And he said, I'd rather be a pig in his household than his sons. I mean, this is, this is ruthlessness. <clears throat> so we need to understand what's going on here before we read further. In verse 3, when King Herod heard this, heard about uh, a, king, a new king of the Jews, he was disturbed. Of course, he was, this is kind of a play, a pun by Matthew. It's like he's already disturbed, but like he's actually kind of worried now. And all of Jerusalem with him. King Herod was disturbed because he thought he was going to lose his power. Jerusalem was disturbed because they didn't understand what the meaning of all this was. <clears throat> when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And then they quote, uh, the, the prophet, uh, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. And I, I forget who that prophet is, it's Micah or Isaiah. Uh, and then, verse, verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Now, why would he do that? Why would he call them secretly? You ever wonder that? You ever read this and go, what's the big deal? Why the secret? Well, here's, this is what most scholars believe. <clears throat> they believe that he called them secretly because if he called them while the Jews were there, the Jews know about how ruthless he is and they know his mind and how it works and how he's just crazy. So he called the Magi separately and said, hey, y'all come back and tell me where he's at. I want to go worship him as well. But the Jews would have pointed it out and pulled the Magi aside and said, no, 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 no. 
Don't you dare come back. Whoever this guy is, he's important to us. And so we need to, we need to keep him alive. We need to make sure he is safe. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now, this star, there's been a ton of research done. They say, oh, this was the merging of Saturn and Jupiter. Oh, this was a comet that, had, that was flying in the sky. But here's the thing. <clears throat> Evidence from Scripture says that this is a supernatural event caused by God. Because you've got, you've got two problems. If, if it's a comet or if it's planets or something like that coming together, how does it stop? And before that, if you say, well, it's maybe a fixed point in the sky, how is it moving? Okay? This is a supernatural event caused by God, created by God to show the Magi where to go. Now, the Magi, I think I talked about this before, but they're, they're, they're not astrologers. They're people who look to the skies to see uh, heavenly events, to see these things that are happening, that, that are going on, that, that uh, will tell them about the Lord. And they're from the east, but we don't know where. And so we see that the star stops over the manger, stops over the barn. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. Did you know that this is why you give presents at Christmas? This is it. And if this isn't the reason behind it, if it's because they want the iPod and you've got to get them the iPod, then you need to kind of step back and reevaluate your gift giving. Leave and I will, will give three gifts at most to, to the boys. And they may be big, they may be small. You know, we do a stocking too. That's, we consider that separate in our minds. But we do three gifts. My parents, I'm, I got 100 gifts at Christmas. I mean, it was just overflowing. And then when, when we got married and we do our own tradition, it was kind of like, wait a minute, why are we doing this? What's the meaning of this? So I want, I want you guys to, to really keep that in mind as you um, pass out gifts. Uh, and remember the Magi. And remember the purpose of this. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. Um, but these gifts, gold, incense, and myrrh, they were all co- very common, but they were all very valuable. Okay. Uh, they were very portable, and they were very sellable. And this comes into play when they have to rush off to Egypt because King Herod is about to massacre all of the boys to and under in Bethlehem. All right, We're not going to read that story, but that's what comes next. Now, this is a horrible massacre, and, but it may not have been that many boys because Bethlehem is believed to have about 5,000 people at the time. Um, uh, that lived there anyway. So verse 12. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The Magi got to experience our Heavenly Father's perfect timing and perfect love through the birth of a Savior. 
we get to experience God's perfect timing and perfect love through a Savior when we committed our lives to Jesus Christ. This is so important because our Heavenly Father is perfect. And here we see His perfection in His timing and in His love. Now, I, I tell you this, and I kind of give you the history behind all this, and I, I don't pepper it with a lot of illustration, because I want you to understand that this is not a fable. This is history. This happened. This is the seminal moment in history. This changed everything. And we have to understand how important it is. Because if we don't, then God's love means nothing to us. Because he, this, think about what he gave up. His son, his only, I, I'm not giving tie to anybody. I'm not giving him up to anyone. Not Eli, not Sage. None of them. So to give up your only son, and, to, and, and for Jesus to leave heaven, and perfection, and, and being worshipped, to come down on earth to just walk among me? No, that's not the way it should work. God, though, is perfect in His timing and in His love. And He's perfect in His way, in his way that He works in our hearts. He's perfect in the timing and His love that He works in our lives. He's perfect. So here's what I want to challenge us with. <clears throat> Two things. One, you, you've got your programs. Um, these programs have on the back side of them, or the front side of them, whichever you prefer, uh, the Bible study reading for, it's actually week four. I didn't change that. But this is for the, the last week, and I want to challenge you to spend each day walking through this scripture. Because we're walking through the birth of Christ. And then on the last day, you look at all that and you think, good grief, Jason, you're killing us. You know my family's in and all this other stuff. Listen, take this and walk through it. Because a lot of this we've walked through over the past few weeks. Walk through this on Christmas Day. Because this is, this is the day that our Savior was born. Or that we celebrate our Savior to be born anyway. So walk through this. Walk through this with your family. Walk through it together. I want to challenge you to do this. Now, I also want to challenge you to do something else. And this is a long-term thing. I want to challenge you to look into, when you're reading something, you jump in Scripture and you say, oh, okay, here we go. We got this, uh, this story here, and oh, I don't understand it. I want to challenge you to look up the history behind it. Take the people that are there, King Herod, you know, Jeremiah, whoever you're looking at, and look at the history that is behind them. And look at, if you can find it, look into archaeology. There is some, I recently bought a Bible. It's an archaeological Bible. And it's really changed the way I see and view Scripture. And a lot of the stories that I knew, it's added so much more depth. And it's, and it's taken some of the doubts that I've had. <clears throat> and it has actually said, this is why this really happened. We found, they recently found King Herod's tomb. When, when he dies in Scripture, 
you know, everybody says, well, you know, they've got his stuff there, but uh, I don't know. They talk about his tomb, and uh, I don't know. They found his tomb just recently in the last 10, 15 years. They thought it was at the top of this mountain, but it was actually at the base of this mountain. They had to dig in real deep. They found it. I mean, and it proves so much. It proves King Herod's existence. It proves uh, that, that he reigned. There's, some, there's evidence in script, um, not scripture, but uh, pamphlets that show that he was just nutso, you know. Here's, there's a couple of guys, too, that I want to throw out to you that I want, you, I want to challenge you to look up. You can find them in Barnes & Noble. Uh, you can find them online at cbd.com. Uh, these are not Christians, but they are historians that wrote in Jesus' time. And they talk about Jesus. Uh, one guy's name is Josephus, J-O-S-E-P-H-U-S. One guy's name is Philo. There's a guy named Pliny. Pliny, I think, is Pliny the Younger uh, is his name. And, and, and you can take these things. I mean, they, they're not Christians, you know, but they do talk about Jesus. And they do talk about how there's some crazy stuff going on with this guy. And they do talk about how the Jews hate Jesus. And they do talk about his birth. It's incredible. This is no fable. This is real life. This is God's perfect timing and perfect love coming down to earth, coming into our hearts for those of us who have accepted him as Savior, resting there, guiding us and leading us. The God of the universe guides us and leads us through his spirit. How cool is that? Incredible. So that's my challenge to us. And that's my challenge to us for, for this week and for, for Christmas. I want you guys to, to just understand and know the birth of Christ and why we celebrate it. So let me pray for us. Father, we pray, I pray, Father, that you will guide our hearts. I pray, Father, that you will speak to us and give us reassurance when we doubt. I pray that you will ingest our hearts with the understanding that you are perfect in your timing and in your love. And through that, we can just sit and wait and be patient. That we can know that you are God and you are watching out for us. You are taking care of us. And that you will make it work out for your glory. It may not be our plan, but God, our plan is never better than yours. And so, Father... I pray that you speak to us. Remind us of your son and how it was your perfect timing and your perfect love through the birth of a Savior. Thank you, Father, for your son. But, Father, may we never allow the cradle to overshadow the cross. Father, may we understand always that it is the cross. It is his death his burial, and his resurrection that gives us life. So we thank you, Father, for that as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.